0: Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michaud, and welcome to your weekly astrology forecast for the week of March 2nd through March 8th. Hope that you are all doing well this week and have been getting some new messages from the depths with the uh, Mercury Kazemi last week, kind of the rebirth of a new Mercury cycle. Um, I'm recording this just as Venus and Pluto are separating from a square, so um, hopefully all of you out there are Uh, licking your wounds if you had any conflicts in your relationships or any corruption came to the surface to be dealt with. Um, Yeah, it's a process. So uh, hopefully you're all doing well out there. Um, Remember that some of the things that are bubbling up from the underworld hopefully will lead to some kind of regeneration and um, a, a positive new start moving forward. So I think that's my My little uh, hope that you are all doing well is if something difficult came up in the last week or so. um, See it in light of uh, a greater process, right? This week, we have a first quarter moon where we are potentially running into another um, slightly material um, crisis where we're trying to manifest our new vision. We're, you know, knee deep in Pisces season here. The the sun is um, has moved into the second decade of Pisces as of my recording here on, on Saturday, the 29th, leap day. And um, we are trying to bridge the gap between our um, idealized version of what we want to see in the world and the reality that we may be dealing with. So, with that first quarter moon, um, we're going to be seeing a little bit of a maybe a disconnect and, and a little bit of a challenge that requires us to put in some sort of heroic effort to, to bring whatever our dream is into manifestation, and we'll talk about that during our daily. Um, on Tuesday, the third, Venus, is going to be squaring Saturn. Um, this is kind of like par for the course when we've had Pluto-Saturn aspects recently. Um, it used to be where we would hit Saturn first and then Pluto, but now we're, whenever we have a planet that's making contact with this pair, we hit Pluto first now, and then uh, we have to clean up the mess with our Saturnian sense of responsibility. Uh, so we'll have maybe the corruption exposed now, and then we are tasked with the responsibility of doing what is necessary uh, to move forward. So if there was some conflicts that came up in your, in your life with relationships or Venus uh, stuff, or in the Aries-Capricorn um, houses of your chart, um, we will have an opportunity to deal with some of the limitations that may have been presented to us through exposing some of the 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 seedy underbelly of our of what we 're experiencing to the light of day and now it 's time just to get down to business and to kind of do the hard work necessary to potentially repair or let go of things so that's that 's Tuesday the third uh, Wednesday the fourth. Mercury will retrograde back into the sign of Aquarius into back into Aquarius 3 and make its appearance as a morning star. So that's a very important um, phase for Mercury. Uh, it was said to be a condition of phasis or an omen that speaks. That's something I learned from Demetra George and Robert Schmidt, where when Mercury is making its appearance from out from under the beams, that's a, a very, like, important messages will come to light. You know, Mercury was hidden underneath the beams of the sun, and during its Kazemi and, and um, under the beams phase, and when it appears, when we're able to s- literally see it in the in the morning sky, uh, th- then we can see that there may be messages that come to light that are become visible again in our in our daily lives. So that's an important moment for paying attention to messages that you receive. That'll be Wednesday, the fourth. That same day, uh, Venus will be sextiling Mercury retrograde, uh, potentially. Um, getting us back in touch with a relationship that needs to, you know, be dealt with. Uh, and then Venus will also be improving uh, its dignity, moving into the sign of Taurus. And we'll talk about the first decan of Taurus. But, excuse me, Venus gains a whole mess of dignity moving into Taurus. So um, that maybe will improve some things. Uh, and this is all building up to Sunday, a big, a big day Sunday, where we see the sun conjoining Neptune while at the same time, Venus is making a conjunction to Uranus. So we've got two very important outer planet conjunctions happening, um, which may be a seed moment, uh, a pretty big seed moment for bringing things into manifestation, especially with Venus uh, moving through Taurus now. So that's a little overview for the, for the week. Uh, new Deccans this week, uh, the aforementioned Venus moving into Taurus I, uh, which correlates with the Five of Pentacles. Jupiter will be moving into Capricorn three, which we have a correspondence with the four of pentacles. Uh, And then Mercury will retrograde back into Aquarius three. um, And we've talked about the seven of swords that's associated with that decking. Essential dignities for the week. uh, Let's take a look at our chart. Um, So we're gonna start off the week with the sun moving from 12 degrees Pisces to 19 degrees Pisces over the course of the week. Uh, the sun is said to be peregrine in the sign of Pisces. It doesn't have any really essential dignity of its own, but it will be moving through the terms of Jupiter from 12 to 16 degrees, and then the terms of Mercury from 16 to 19 degrees. Uh, Jupiter, uh, the host of the sun this week, will be moving through uh, the second decan of Capricorn and then ingressing into the third decan of capricorn both of those positions are uh, a, a position of its fall okay so it's it's in not in a domicile where it's very comfortable so um we have to watch out for jupiter giving being given resources that it's not necessarily used to using to bring about its most essential nature which is expansion abundance growth um Integrity. <laughs> so the, we got to watch out for those things. Jupiter is going to be moving through the terms of Venus from 14 to 22 degrees. Um, and then the, the aforementioned Saturn is still going into, um, still moving through the third decade of Capricorn, uh, where it's moving through its 28th degree here. Uh, before, Jupiter is moving from 19 to 20 degrees. Uh, but Jupiter, Saturn will still be in the terms of Mars this week. So remember, terms were like a, a curriculum that was being set by like a, a, a stern or a lenient middle school teacher. Uh, if the um, domicile ruler was the principal of the school uh, providing the resources for the teacher, the, the term ruler was like the, the actual teacher in the classroom setting the, the course of action. So we've got a, a malefic as our term ruler for another malefic. So that's, that could be a little bit challenging if I'm expanding that metaphor out more, maybe the uh, the superintendent of the district is the exaltation ruler. Um, I, last week I talked about exaltation rulers potentially being like uh, the owner of a restaurant and the general manager of the restaurant being the, the domicile ruler. Um, so that's an interesting, you know, set of metaphors to keep playing with if you work with essential dignities. Uh, I think that I think we're all just still trying to figure out how this all works, Um, but it it is nice to kind of um, play with it a little bit and see how that works. I like I like thinking of these. um, I like thinking metaphorically with these things and thinking of them as actual people and actual grounded um, manifestations. I think that'll help you in your astrological practice in general. Is thinking these thinking of these planets as characters in a drama and what roles are they playing? You know, they are they're acting uh, out some sort of, um, well, if you're a determinist, some sort of script. And it um, doesn't mean that they can't improvise a little bit within the script. I think that's the, the gift of a really great actor is even though they've been given some words, they can adjust a few words here and there. And they may be able to bring a different energy to to that particular role. Um, but, uh, but yeah, if we think about it in terms of actors playing out a role within a certain setting, that can be really uh, enlightening as far as uh, our astrological practices go. It makes all these ambiguities or the, all these um, abstractions very concrete. Okay, Venus this week is, is moving through the last degrees of Aries and then moving into its domicile in Taurus. So let's just, uh, just to give you a little recap on this Venus and Aries, <laughs> I've been seeing this around, especially with this um, square to Pluto. Um, so Venus and Aries 3 is in its exile, but also has rulership um, by face or it's a decanic rulership. And this, so that you can think of the planets as putting on three different masks over the course of their journey through a particular sign. And when a planet is putting on its own mask it it has some more power it has some more ability to kind of play a role that isn't more suited to it even if it may be in its exile so i've been seeing this week with venus in aries 3 uh we talked last week about venus in aries 3 being about charisma the ability to like garner a following through just burning very brightly and you know venus is being provided resources by mars so it's this very could this be this very aggressive like kind of um you know really direct uh sexuality or attractiveness and some some people sent me some examples of this uh, one being marilyn monroe uh, which i thought was really interesting she has venus in the third decan of aries and you know right on her ascendant i'm sorry right on her midheaven And yes, very visible, visible sexuality, very exaggerated sexuality. And I posted a few Instagram stories. I've been kind of playing around with my Instagram stories lately, trying to just do some creative things. It's just kind of fun. Um, I I was getting really inspired uh, the day that that, um, one particular day uh, with Venus conjoining with the moon, uh, the moon kind of bringing things into being and I was getting really into uh some music i was doing my notes to classical music and getting into some really epic uh (laughs) like soundtracks uh like star wars and um indiana jones and and the lord of the rings just these very epic orchestral pieces that were making me feel like very like yes i'm doing the work of the universe here it was just uh it was it was charging me up and uh I posted some of this on my Instagram stories and and made some memes. And the next day when Venus was making its application to Pluto, I posted kind of these more archetypal uh, figures that I thought were associated with Venus in Aries 3. One of them were um, if Venus in Aries 3 were a uh, animated character. And then I I thought about Jessica Rabbit and her very overt sexuality and, and Gaston from... Um, from uh, Beauty and the Beast, where just these very exaggerated, uh, aggressively sexual type of figures that are very charismatic and, and burn very brightly and are almost, um, I know that we can think of Jessica Rabbit as being extraordinarily feminine, but there's almost a, a masculine quality to it, right? Like kind of just a very like overt quality to the, the sexuality. And uh, I thought that was really interesting. And I've been seeing this in social media too, just people who normally would be a little bit more reserved just kind of coming out and like being very overt with their, with their Venus, Venus, Venusian nature. Um, yeah, it's, it's very spicy. So we're going to be moving out of that energy this week and into a little bit calmer, more patient, more um, uh, receptive Venus, where this this next Venus isn't going to be, f- you know, I don't know, f- flashing their goods everywhere <laughs> as, much, as much as Venus in Aries three, um, but more about just you know, radiating uh, her uh, phosphorescent essence. Right, Venus emerged from the ocean like a glowing jellyfish and she didn't really need to put it out there, so to speak. She just glowed with her eternal, essential nature, and then was adorned with all the good things in life, like beautiful clothes and jewelry and things like that. So we're going to get more into a a more receptive Venus, which is more where she's she functions a little bit more uh, comfortably in that position than than she has in Aries. Not saying it's bad in Aries, there may, but it may lead to um, some challenges that we didn't expect if we are a little bit too aggressive with our uh, desire nature and with our, our, you know, flaunting our powers of attraction. And that may have gotten us into some trouble potentially with the contact with Pluto, like things were bubbling up from the depths. Pluto is in a very, I would say, conservative sign of Capricorn um, very, very buttoned up. And, and if, you, um, if you're trying to garner a following and it comes into contact with the Lord of the Underworld in, in a very structured sign, and then this week coming into contact with Saturn, potentially repercussions for, for being a little bit too saucy. Uh, so <laughs> just be, keep your eye out for that. Uh, Venus in Taurus one is going to have dignity by domicile. It is the triplicity ruler of the earth signs by day. It will be moving through its own terms from zero to eight degrees. So, very powerful Venus, very powerful manifestation, uh, powers of attraction that are, I would say, um, just much quieter than we've been experiencing with Venus and and Aries. But, like I said, more functional. Mars is going to be moving through uh, the first 10 degrees. I'm sorry, the second 10 degrees of Capricorn, uh, 10 to 14 degrees this week, where it is in its exaltation. It also has rulership by face, so Mars is putting on its own mask through, through the second decan of Capricorn, doing Mars things. It is in the terms of Jupiter from 7 to 14 degrees. Um, this is a very powerful Mars for getting stuff done, for uh, strategic planning. Um, this that game was associated with the three of Pentacles, where we see three figures uh, making a, looking at a blueprint for building some ornate structure. Uh, so, great time to to really have some strategic thinking, especially as we're diving into our spirit uh, and into our imagination uh, this week, as the Sun makes contact with Neptune in a conjunction. We're doing a real deep dive into what we, what we really want and what we were trying to visualize and bring into manifestation and Mars is uh, part of that story. Mars is making a sextile to the Sun by, by whole sign and, and, to, and to Neptune so there is an ability to take action on the on the uh, spiritual truths that we see now it may not be perfect, That that is part of the um, acceptance that we have to have through this second journey of the sun through the second decan of Pisces. Uh, but we still might be, um, th- there is some support for bringing things down to earth, right? Mars in this Capricorn ruled area is, uh, is very earthy and wants to take tangible action on the dream. Okay. Mercury still is funky. Funky Mercury. Funky Mercury. Mercury is going to start off uh, still in its exile, still retrograde, in its also in its fall because Mercury has the dual abilities of exile and fall in the sign of Pisces, due to its uh, ability to um, to contain uh, both types of opposites. One of the opposition of the Sun to Saturn type of opposition, where we kind of have a, a stalemate, and the other the opposite of the Moon and Um, associated with exaltations and falls with bringing things into being and passing out where we have a little bit of uh, its opposite in the other sign and the seed is planted and they kind of flow within each other like the moon does as it waxes and wanes. Um, Mercury moving through the terms of Venus from zero to 12 degrees Pisces as it starts its journey in one degrees Pisces and then retrogrades back to 28 degrees of Aquarius where it will gain triplicity, it is the, trip, the nighttime triplicity ruler of the air signs. So there will be some more communal support for some of our uh, communications when Mercury retrogrades back into Aquarius. It gives us a little bit of objectivity, which we've sorely needed as because our messages have become mixed and all sort of jumbled and all sorts of emotions and dreams and wishes and hopes and illusions. And this may be a little moment of clarity when Mercury retrogrades back into Aquarius on Wednesday the 4th. Uh, it will retrograde back into the terms of Saturn. So there will be maybe some hard truths that we have to, to come to terms with before we can move forward again. Um, that retrograde Mercury is going to make contact with Venus though. So there's some something that may be needed, some communications that may need to happen within our relationships, probably due to some of the uh, cathartic energies that came up with the Pluto uh, Venus square, uh, some of the corruption that we may have needed to deal with, and there may be some fruitful conversations that we have in the middle of the week that that could be supportive to moving forward again. All right, the Moon this week is waxing. It is waxing, uh, starting off in our in, a, in the first quarter phase, where it is uh, squared to the Sun, so roughly ninety degrees away from the Sun. Um, the moon will start off in gemini where it is peregrine Um, that gemini moon may be a little sticky in the beginning of the week because it's being hosted in the sign of gemini by a retrograde mercury and it is squared to its host so communication may still be challenging at the beginning of the week um the sun will move i'm sorry the moon will move into cancer uh, where it has rulership by domicile and then is wearing its own mask uh in the third decan um and then the moon will become Peregrine in the sign of Leo and then gain some, a little bit of dignity by being the triplicity ruler of the earth signs by the nighttime in the sign of Virgo. So it'll be waxing from its first quarter almost to the full moon. So the full moon's going to happen on Monday the 9th. So that is where we have a building phase and we have a, a refining phase before whatever we've been working on comes out into the light at the full moon and takes on some physical manifestation so this is a really great week for um figuring out any challenges at the first quarter moon and starting to refine your ex- the expression of your dream um through working through some things that may not be working uh anytime we start a new venture there's always some hiccups and bumps along the road anytime we're trying to manifest a new dream uh the very nature of a dream is that it may not be be able to be manifested in its perfection in the world of material reality and form and that can be frustrating and that's probably some of what we're going to be experiencing this week is the disconnect between our idealized version of what we want to create and what is actually possible in physical reality and it doesn't mean that it's that physical reality is bad, it doesn't mean that, uh, I don't don't want to get myself in trouble here, but I, I think that I don't believe that this kind of like, um, we have unlimited ability to just quote unquote, create our own reality. I think that that there is some of that we can create some of our reality. I think that there are natural laws that we are working within things like time, Things like limitation of resources, things like um, inequality of form, like everything is not necessarily equal in the physical world. It is a spiritual ideal that we are we are trying to manifest, but in reality we have to come to terms with, you know, I don't know. I had to come to terms with not being seven feet tall when I wanted to be a professional basketball player. You know, it's just the reality of the situation. Doesn't mean that I might might not have been able to manifest something like that had I really put my mind to it, but uh, as as hard as I try, I, I might not be able to to grow an extra foot and a half. And those are just realities that we have to come to terms with. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that. It's just part of being incarnated in a physical body uh, as a as a unique spirit or soul that is a a manifestation or uh, some sort of uh, I don't know copy. Of a divine ideal. Remember, we talked last week about the first and second decan of Pisces, where uh, there was an, a craftsman that was creating a, a beautiful statue, and uh, I don't remember the the name off the top of my head. And his apprentice, uh, he had to leave to go do something, and his apprentice tried to 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 make a copy of it and ran out of clay, and the one of, The one that became finished by the master became truth, and the one that was unfinished the the master was so moved by it he he he, uh, he fired it anyway in the kiln, and that became falsehood and so it, it, it's a, a parable about the imperfection that happens with material form. and I think if we come to terms with that and, and don't resist it and don't get too bent out of shape about it our lives are gonna be a little bit easier, right? Um, This is something where uh, instead of getting, this is one thing I I disagree with with the new age movement is we try to get so, we try to not come to terms with uh, some of the limitations that we have in life. And I was guilty of this in the past. This may be just the folly of youth on some level too, where we think that we are um, immortal, right? And we think that that we're going to live forever and we can do whatever we want and we're indestructible and things like that. And as we age, we maybe come to terms with some of those limitations. And I don't necessarily think that has to be um, bad. I think if we come to terms with some um, mature limitations and work within what we have, I think we're going to be able to build um, better. That doesn't mean that we should narrow, narrowly put ourselves in a box and just like get down about the the reality of our situation there are definitely times where we have to to bust out and and uh go beyond what we previously thought was possible so it's both it's both right um but i think a little bit of of um grace when it comes to that is important and that's that's been one of my transformations as from a youth to a middle age is kind of coming to terms with some of the 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 rules the of, of physical incarnation and And not resisting them and not feeling so depressed about it, but working within them and creating what I can create within some of the responsibilities that I may have as well. And that may be true for some of you out there as well. I mean, don't let, don't let people pour cold water on your dreams, but it it does help to be a little bit realistic about the dream sometimes too. And that's some of the, I think that's part of the theme of our week this week. All right, let's go into our daily, uh, Our daily exploration. Daily exploration. Monday the 2nd. Let's go through it here. Get the sun on the ascendant. There we go. Monday, March 2nd, is the um, square between the sun and the moon. And you can see that here. Oh, roughly 12 degrees. It'll happen. It'll be exact at around 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this is uh, a position in the second decan of Gemini. Let me just move it forward so we can kind of see when it's happening here. You can get a visual. It's always nice to get a visual. There's our visual. Okay, for those of you just listening in though, we've got the sun at 12 degrees Pisces and the moon at Gemini, 12 degrees Gemini. And they are roughly 90 degrees apart, which is forming a figure or a shape called a square, okay? Because if we connected the signs all in the, the, the four signs like this, they would form this shape of a square. So that's also called uh, a tetragon, okay? Four-sided, all right? And when we have a, a four-sided shape or a tetragon or a square, That is of the nature of Mars due to the position of Mars in relationship to the sun and the moon in the thema mundi, which was called the uh, natal chart of the world. So there was this kind of rationale in ancient authors that different aspects had planetary natures, and in this case, the the nature of Mars. And I've, I've been doing some deep diving into the natures of the planets. Lately, and uh, just to kind of get a refresher um, and really maybe get some more depth of understanding on what the planets are actually trying to do. And in my exploration of Mars, um, Mars likes to cut things short, it cuts things off, it has a severing separation quality, it's impatient of delay, uh, it doesn't have the same staying power as Saturn does, it's like a short distance sprinter, short bursts of speed. And we could see some kind of like challenge or friction, uh, conflict, or a, a need to exert our will to resolve something, maybe through a sense of discomfort that we have to exert our will to maybe sever something that isn't working. So as I was talking about in the beginning of this video, there, this may be a point in time where uh, we've been... Gestating, right? This Pisces area of our life with this deep dive and this Mercury retrograde—we've been going deep into our souls and our hearts and our imaginations to try to figure out what is the next step, what is giving us hope, what what is what is the why of what we are doing, you know? And then we get to this first quarter. I'm sorry, yeah, this uh, first quarter moon here, and there may be uh, uh, some sort of conflict and the second decan of Gemini uh, was represented by the nine of swords. And this was like kind of coming to terms with uh, duality, maybe too many options. This is where we we are. We see a figure that has his head in his hands, potentially due to like some kind of nightmare that he's experiencing. I know for me personally, when the moon's in Gemini, it's hard for me to sleep because my brain is just going a million miles an hour. And so we just, it's hard to shut off the internal uh, narrative um, because it's working through all these different possibilities. And this may be what we're experiencing too is just too many possibilities. And what we have to do is sort of uh, choose something. And, and we can't choose everything. This, this is another thing that I've been learning about the nature of Gemini is we, come, we are seeing all of the possibilities in the beginning. And as we move through these decades. Eventually, in the third decade of Gemini, Austin Coppett calls it the executioner's sword, one of the twins has to die. Some of the options have to be let go of for the other ones to live. And and this may be true with some of the choices in your life, too. Um, This is probably the bane of every person who has prominent Gemini placements is they want to do everything, but if they spread their energy too thin, uh, they're not going to do anything well. So th- this is where we get kind of the jack of all trades, master of none type of energy. And I, I remember Austin Coppock telling a story, I think on a podcast, maybe it was Chris Brennan's podcast, where his mother told him that he has a Gemini moon. Um, his mom told him, hey, you know, he, he had this experience. He wanted to do all the, all the things, right? And his mom said, you, can, you don't have to not do multiple things, but you, you can't necessarily do them all at the same time. Choose one thing, do it, and then if you, you know, move on to the next thing. And that may be the, the, the best advice I could give you for this first quarter square is, you know, you don't have to let go of every possibility indefinitely, but you may have to choose one thing to really focus to bring into being uh, and let go of some of the other distractions that are limiting the, the efficacy of what you are trying to manifest right in the here and now. So prioritize, pick pick the thing that is most important to you now and, you know, write it out, write it out, make a list and say, you know what, this is actually what is important to me right now. I'm going to put my energy towards that. This is actually pulling me off course. I'm going to table that. I'm going to put that on the back burner and I may revisit it later. But right now, this is what is most important to me. I think if you can do that, you're going to be happier uh with with what you bring into being and what you manifest um because a little manifestation advice you know we we can build on our successes if we realize that we can bring something into form we 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 get a little confidence boost with that right and if we, we we take the time to uh bring a small part of something into being first that gives us the energy to 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 keep going um if we try to bring the whole thing into into being all at once that's a problem. I talk about this in my guitar class. I teach adult guitar classes, which is um, sometimes a challenging emotional experience for my students because many of them are very good at what they do. I live in, a, live in the uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan area, and we're very close to the University of Michigan, which is a very, very, um, there's a lot of people here who are very high functioning. They're, a lot of them are very best at what they do, and they get really humbled when they come into this guitar class because they all of a sudden are thrust into a position where they have to have a beginner mind again. And what I do in my classes is I really teach um, fundamentals. I teach very slowly, very patiently, and I, I want to make sure that they are uh, mastering each stage of the journey before we move on to things that are more complex. Um, and I talk about, the first thing I talk about in the class and that, uh, that helps, I think, open their minds to this and not beat themselves up so much as I talk about the gap between our creativity, uh, our, our taste, the, ga- the gap between our taste and our ability level. And this may be something that we're experiencing with this first quarter moon too, is there's a gap between our ideals, our taste, quote unquote, and our ability to bring that into manifestation. And we just um, get closer to the ideal by doing small Practical, tangible steps along the way and building a foundation. If you try to build too much too soon, the whole structure will collapse. You have to put the foundation in first. And that's really what Jupiter and Saturn and Pluto and Mars, all of these things in Capricorn, are asking us to do. You don't build a great pyramid um, with a point at the bottom. You have to build this wide structure and build it towards the peak at the top, right? Uh, And we have to lay that foundation first. So I think that um, that will be the way to get closer to your dream is to lay the foundation, being comfortable with uh, more humble achievements at first. Uh, and that will lead you to greater and greater things as you keep building whatever it is that you're trying to build. Okay. Whatever tower of Babel you're trying to build towards your, your dream. You have to be careful of that too, you know. Um, A little humility goes a long way in these times, I think. Okay, so Tuesday the third. I think that's a pretty good explanation or exploration of our first quarter moon. Remember, Mercury, 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 Mercury is going to be providing. (laughs) Sounds so so snide. Um, Mercury is going to be providing for the moon. So there may be some, a little bit of confusion that happens because we are trying to bring something to light from a very uh, a point of depth and Mercury is not in, moving in it's um, through a place where it has objectivity. The point though is that you may wait a couple days and then Mercury is going to be in a place of more, more objective place that's going to help you to get clearer on what you want to do. All right. Let's go forward. Let's move forward. March 3rd, Tuesday, the day of Mars. On this Mars day, a couple things are happening, a couple, couple non-lunar things. Uh, well, first, the moon is going to be moving through the third decade of Gemini. Uh, so again, this, this may be where we are eliminating some of the options that we had so that we can put our energy into what, what really needs to happen. Uh, the moon's going to be squaring Neptune at 1.24 a.m., so this may be where we come to face-to-face with the illusion that we may have about what we're trying to do. We may lose a little bit of esteem. We may just want <clears throat> to, instead of dealing with a choice that we have to make, we may just want to escape a little bit. This is the danger when we have contacts with Neptune is escapism. Generally, the escapism is a, is a, a desire to merge with the divine and transcend this daily life that we're uh, this semi-charmed kind of life. So for all of you nineties kids out there um who know about that song, uh try not to go do some crystal meth. Okay. <laughs> like it's it's not gonna leave you in a great place. For context, that song, Third Eye Blind, Semi-Charm kind of life, apparently is about meth, which I didn't know when it was when it came out, but have since learned and the the lead singer had some struggles with addiction. And I'm sure that uh that's a great I think that's a great Neptunian song like he's dealing with the disappointment in um bringing things into manifestation from his dream and all he wants to do is just go merge with the divine and the only thing he's found that can bring him closer to that ideal is drugs and uh my personal thought on that is that um I don't know there's repercussions to that I think that um, The way that I deal with this more is through uh, meditation, through art, through prayer. Uh, I've found that any time that I've, you know, mm, I really haven't had a lot of experience with drugs, but I I did have an experience in high school where I overdid it with alcohol and and ended up in the hospital. And that really defined my uh, experience of like substances to escape reality. And uh, it, it, it showed me that there were severe repercussions for that. And I find that some of these other things, they can be traps too. We can meditate all day and not pay our bills. Um, it's a balance, right? But I, I, my personal thought is that uh, it, it, what, what I have found is if we use things like substances to escape reality and try to merge with the divine, eventually there will be... Uh, A re um, connection with reality, and it will make reality much harder. (laughs) I think. I think that it's like if if we're we're trying to escape. When we come back down to earth, um, reality isn't just going to go away. And when we come back down, and we come back, you know, our feet reach the ground again. um, Our neglect of maintenance of physical reality could make it even more difficult. To, to deal with the things that we need to deal with. And, and I know that it's hard sometimes. And if you struggle with addiction out there, I, I, I um, sympathize with you. And I know it, it can be a hard thing. Uh, we all have different things that we use to escape from the world. And I, I think that those themes of escapism are going to be really strong with the sun uh, conjoining with Neptune this week. And uh, I encourage you to um, try to be balanced. and there are. I think that there are certain things that may be healthier ways to connect than than others. Um, and it, sometimes it's hard to figure out what those are. And that may be part of your homework this week is find out what are healthy ways to connect with the divine uh, and realize when we are just you know, escaping rather than trying to deal with stuff. I think that some of the most spiritual things that you can do, and here, here's where the real turnaround is, is to face... Uh, what is real and what is asking you to be faced what the necessity of your life. Chop wood and carry water was a phrase that the, the monks would use. And I think the Buddhist culture. Um, and that, you know, means that, you know, to really get in touch with spiritual life, you got to do the physical things. You got to take care of your responsibilities. And sometimes that can be the most spiritual action is, is um, paying attention to the details of your life and truly engaging with love with the mundane right uh that's um that's something that's been a real deep lesson for me is performing service with devotion okay all right so that may be our our contact with neptune uh at 7 a.m jupiter will be moving into the second decan of capricorn so this is a shift in our jupiterian jovial energy so it is in Jupiter is moving into Capricorn oops too so as we've discussed in previous podcasts about Jupiter about the Sun moving through this decan this is a solar decan so it is it heads the mask of the Sun okay so our three decans we start off with a Jupiter mask in Capricorn one and we move into a Mars mask in the second decan. And now we are having Sam Jupiter take on almost a role of a, of a sun, a solar role. And you could say, uh, this, it creates a narrative. You, you have a vision in the first decan of um, Capricorn. You're trying to figure out where you want to expand or grow your empire. You take action on that in the second decan, and then you have to play the role of administrator or uh, some sort of authority figure in the third decan of Capricorn. And with Jupiter moving there, as I've done my deep, deep dive of the planets through Austin Coppock's work, through traditional authors like Rhetorius and Paulus and uh, oh, Menilius and Ptolemy and all of these, these dudes have been going back and reading Ben Dyke's work. Um, Jupiter is my, my summary of Jupiter, I think, is I feel like this is what is coming naturally to us and is almost being gifted to us. It is, uh, Jupiter was like the wind in your sails. And we see this with triplicity rulership being of the nature of Jupiter is we have communal support. We have universal, uh, you know, like if we're, if we're in the ship of our life, we're getting this, this fortuitous Gust of wind that's blowing us closer to our our destination, and I think that what we might experience with Jupiter moving through Capricorn three is we will be there is the potential to be gifted uh, positions of authority, of power, of responsibility uh, through um, favors of those in authority that maybe uh, we may have a little bit more ease. With relating to authority figures with Jupiter moving through this third Capricorn uh, decan. Um, now, that being said, there is an elephant in the room with this. Um, Jupiter is, is starting to meet up with Pluto, okay? He's hurtling towards his conjunction with Pluto, uh, which happens on the 4th of um, what, April of this year. And we will see it it kind of, we're going to see this kind of, um, this may be where we are trying to take positions of authority based on our very base needs. If we combine Pluto with Jupiter here, we're expanding, but we're expanding through the the id, I guess, if you want to get psychological about it. Um, We're expanding, we have a a deep, deep um, psychological drive or will to power that uh, that Tarnas talks about with Pluto, um, this kind of, uh, this really volcanic, um, underworld Hades power trip, right? And with Jupiter coming in contact with Pluto, that's going to expand that desire to be an authority figure in our lives. And we have to be real careful about that because Jupiter is in its fall. And this, this is where we talk about the hubris. This could be a real expansion of like, Holy cow! We want—we are really trying to go for a power grab here, or people around us, or people in society are going for a power grab. So keep keep an eye on that first week of April, and really keep yourself in check. I think um, if you are feeling just the surge of like uh, ambition that is coming from a a very deep place, and it may be coming from a place of fear because this is being provided for by Saturn, which I think is the this kind of deep-seated fears that we may have due to lack. So I think that if I'm to really, you know, um parse this out, we may have a drive for authority that is really supercharged by its contact with Pluto that is due to fearing or not feeling powerful. And that's when it becomes really dangerous when we're trying to compensate for something that we feel that we lack. Um, So just be very careful with this Jupiter. Um, and if you're gifted a position of authority, check the fine print and try not to get too drunk, you know, sun contacting with Neptune with your own, um, authoritative presence. Uh, and just keep an eye out on the collective for that too. Okay. Excessive ambition. When I was doing my little, uh, instagram story dance (laughs) feeling very Mm -hmm. very like i don't know creative with that i had um darth vader's theme came on as i was uh showing the notes that i made for the for the forecast here and i was zooming in on the pluto jupiter conjunction as it was dun 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 do, 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 do. And it seems so appropriate for Jupiter conjoining Pluto in Capricorn. That's Darth Vader, man. That's Darth Vader energy. He wants to, he wants to rule the universe from this deep place of fear. You know, and it comes, and that's the whole point of the dark side there, is give in to your fear and that will give you power, right? And I think that's something that we really have to keep. Um, abreast of as we move forward through this is you could be very seduced by the dark side uh, coming up uh, and and you you could be expanded through submitting and surrendering to your anger and your fear and your your urge to dominate others Um, yeah I've been I've been coming face to face with this myself just with some old things coming up with Uh, some work that I had done and, and feeling uh, my, I had some feelings of being disrespected and things like that. And I've had to come face to face with it, with my ego and say, what is really at stake here? Not a whole lot. And trying to let go of that and release a grip on um, having to be in control of something has been in in really um, enlightening for me. And I reached out to had some good advice from one of my teachers and it was uh, and I'm sure it's still gonna be a process moving forward but um, maybe that's happening in your own life too and just just keep an eye on it keep keep checking in with yourself check in with your friends too. this that that was one of the things I really realized as I felt myself going deeper into the the um, Darth Vader hole (laughs) <laughs> we should coin that phrase uh was <laughs> um check in with people in your life because they may not have a, an as emotional of an attachment to or an, an, an ego attachment to it that you do uh, and and you know just personally i have leo ascendant so uh feeling feelings of disrespect and pride that's where that's where my trigger is and if I feel like i haven't gotten credit for something, oh my god, that'll bring up all the pluto garbage <laughs> you know right that really needs to be dealt with and and you start to realize that wow, that's just a manifestation of ego, and if I can just uh come back to the place of of service really right service you know you come back to a place of service like, everything isn't about you, and I think this is the thing that you'll you'll start to see in your life if you really are. Self-examining and being honest with yourself is that uh, a lot of the anger issues and a lot of the deep-seated junk that, we, that feeds our fear and our, um, I don't know, discontent is just manifestation of, of pride or ego or things like that. And uh, a good song to listen to is uh, The Beach Boys, um, Pet Sounds, one of my favorite albums of all time they have this song at the end, like, uh, you know, hang on to your ego, you know, basically saying, let go of your ego, you know, and and all the follies of that. So go, go, maybe I'll put a link to it in the video or just go check it out. It's, it's on Pet Sounds. It's a great, great album to listen to. Um, You know, Brian Wilson's a genius. And I don't know, for me lately, I've been getting back in touch with really uh, listening to a lot of music with, you know, all this Piscean deep dive stuff. And, It really is healing. One of the things I wanted to talk about with Venus a little bit too, uh, which is a nice, I think, segue to the next aspect of our day, which is Venus square Saturn. Okay, we'll get there. It's roundabout. Um, So you can see here in my chart, if you're following along on video, that Venus will be at 28 degrees of Aries. And Saturn is at 28 degrees of Capricorn, making a square. Again, some sort of conflict, right? The nature of Mars. Okay. Uh, And, oh, so in my exploration of traditional meanings of the planets, of the way that the people in Greek society thought of their roles, Venus had some very interesting things. Um, Venus... Here, I'm going to just read some of the notes that I wrote down as I was listening to a few lectures and reading some things. Venus was responsible for the education of children, for theatrical office. This is what I thought was really interesting. The regulation of Greek theater, the maintenance or the maintaining of p- the purity of the dramas. And the dramas' purpose so, Greek theater. It, was a, it played a big role in, in Greek culture, ancient Greek culture. And, and from some of the lectures I've been listening to, the purpose of that theater was to serve as a catharsis or the purification of strong emotions. Venus had a role uh, as a purifier. It was, it was concerned with cleanliness, uh, rites of purgation, um, purification or cleansing of something or someone. Uh, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, because I, I feel like music is one of the ultimate cathartic experiences. We have all these strong emotions and music taps into it and allows us to release it just like theater does, just like drama does. Art in general is, is a cathartic purge of all the deep emotions. I thought it was brilliant for, for Venus. That's such a brilliant expression of understanding the, the true nature of Venus. Venus is cath- really, um, we can think about this as we've, we've given a lot of this meaning over to, to Pluto. But I thought that that was kind of interesting that they maybe have some, some real things in common, Venus and Pluto, um, you know, being associated with purity and, and regeneration and, and catharsis from the depths. Okay? Um, now, Venus is going to be making contact with Saturn after she has made her, her, uh, her square to Pluto so what what do we make of this now i've been talking about uh the seed moments of the of these these outer planet uh contacts and the seed moment for the pluto venus pluto one was i believe the beginning of december it was like december 13th or something Um, and then for the seed moment for venus conjunct saturn was the 11th of december so look back at, at the 11th of December, see if there's anything going on around 19 degrees of Capricorn in your chart. And now you'll you'll see some sort of build uh, first quarter experience, like a first quarter moon where we have some tangible crisis that we need to deal with that is is th- about Saturn-Venus themes. Now, another thing that was interesting in my deep dive of the planets, uh, Saturn has some really unexpected um, significations as well. I've been really thinking about Saturn as, uh, Schmidt says that Saturn is exclusion, rejection. Uh, But he also says that Saturn is associated with histrionics. Saturn is the liar. Okay, like, so thus, Saturn is associated with actors, (laughs) because really what an actor is doing is uh, an elaborate lie, basically. Um, so it, he he asserts that Saturn rules the theater, but uh Venus was um responsible for the purity of the drama, right? maybe like the the writer of the drama or the the playwright, uh, so to speak. Okay, so I thought that was kind of interesting. So we're gonna be seeing the the actors' Guild right the the, <laughs> the actor. Saturn coming into contact with the, 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 um, the playwright, right? And this could be also, though Saturn is like what we fear, what we reject, uh, is the, the concept of boundaries, walls, limitations, entropy, time, and, you know, more modern significations of Venus or relationships. So, we also might see some sort of limitation coming into play in our relationships as we try to purge some deeper Aryan part of ourself, right? Some Mars ruled A- part of ourself, okay? We're, we're, trying to bring, we're trying to cleanse the inner self with this Aries stuff. We're trying to cleanse our identity, I think, with this you know, Venus moving through the second or the third decade of Aries. And it's coming into contact with just the the structures of our life, being being able to administrate third decan Capricorn uh, parts of our life, like just the structures, the structures of our life. Um, So we've brought up some of the corruption uh, with Venus squaring Pluto. And now we are going to have to restructure and come to terms with the reality of that new realization. And that may be painful too. remember before the order is reversed. We came to terms with the limitations and that sparked really deep, cathartic, you know, underworld feelings. Now the crap is going to bubble up from the sewer and then we just have to kind of clean it up. This is the cleanup phase of things. Okay. So if you give something in your relationship came to light or some, some part of some part of you that is affecting relationships. Right, because Aries is a very individualistic sign. Okay, it's a very it's very about crafting separate identity. That's why Venus is in her exile in this particular area of the zodiac because she has this separateness. She's glorifying the self. So there may have been something that bubbled up that was a problem that you have that may be making your relationships challenging uh, that needs to be dealt with. Okay, and you got to own it. Okay. You got to own it. Sometimes when we we like to point fingers and what we need to do is own some of the things, some of our flaws, and it's okay. It's all right if you have a flaw. I think that the difficulty with this position is if we, and and the difficulty for Venus and Aries in general, and I've I've experienced this myself here, is where uh, consensus and cooperation is necessary there is a, a maybe a strong individualistic drive, and that's when we can get ourselves into trouble. When we when we need to communicate, when we need to work together uh, to bring about something, uh, and we choose to to take action, maybe even secretly, uh, on our own, that can create the conflict. That can create the tension, and we may have to be coming to terms with. Some of those uh, behaviors in our relationships as we move forward to the Saturn square, because some of those behaviors may have been self defeating and leading to uh, a sense of lack. And now it's time to clean up the mess. That's what Venus squared Saturn is maybe letting go of our individualistic drive and getting back to the moment of cooperation and harmony. And that's going to be really powerful as we see Venus moving towards our conjunction with. Uranus because that's, you know, Venus is going to be much more inclined to cooperate with others in that position in a very innovative way. This, whatever was brought up over the course of the last week or two. Now we have to make a a new start to, to, to really deal with whatever was brought up. And we have to, when we can't do things the same way we did before, this is a moment of, this is a Promethean moment Uranus was associated by Tarnus with Prometheus, a gift, uh, the firebringer, giving a gift to humanity. And we have to be willing to shatter our old uh, misconceptions about how we deal, p- particularly with resources with the first decade of Taurus and how we build things and, and the fertile ground that we are planting our seeds within, and how we plan, and how we manage resources and all of that. Uh, so sometimes the corruption has to be brought up, dealt with, and then we can make the new start. So remember, this is all part of a greater narrative. And in a story, there ha- like in a, in a great drama, in a great Greek tragedy or Greek comedy, whatever you want to think about it, uh, it would be completely boring if there wasn't some periods of conflict. I mean, a good story has an arc to it, right? And learn to love the conflicts because the conflicts are what shows you the solution. You know, I think that's really the, the Taoist way of thinking about it is sometimes you got to lean into the conflict so that you know what the appropriate reaction is. That's the yin and the yang. You, you get a picture of the little dark seed so that you know how to grow the light and vice versa. So just uh, embrace those moments, embrace those things. Okay. So, As I was saying, the seed of that uh, Venus-Saturn conjunction was the 11th of December, slightly earlier than the conjunction of Venus and Pluto, because remember, they used to be uh, switched in their positions. Um, So, yeah, just to sum up that aspect, take responsibility in your relationships. You may be feeling the weight of some duties or burdens or, or necessities that you have to do uh, due to the quality of Saturn here. This is all the stuff that we don't want to do that's hard, that isn't romantic. This is like this is not a romantic aspect. This is a, an aspect where it, like say you're in a relationship and you're like, all right, we've done some things with the budget and now we need to get back on track. We need to cut this out, do that. We need to kind of take this different action and all these things. It's like the tough conversations that you have uh, that ultimately will lead to a, a stronger foundation of union between the two of you and, and hopefully a greater trust between one another. So I think that if you, if you look at it that way, instead of like a, oh, like, you're, you know, this big argument type of thing, uh, I think that'll lead you to a better, uh, a better manifestation. All right, moving through the end of Tuesday, the moon is going to sextile Venus, excuse me, at 9.19 p.m., uh, lending some uh, assistance, okay, some communicative assistance uh, from the moon um, and uh, making a contact with Venus before she's changing signs. Then the moon moves into Cancer where she gains a lot of dignity at 11.25 p.m. One little side note about the moon I thought was interesting. I've been listening to a lecture on Fixed Stars um, by Austin Kopik. He was a guest at Nightlight Astrology a while back, and I've been listening to this lecture. And he talked about the moon. I thought he was very eloquent about this. He said talked about the moon as a circling, orbiting membrane that decides what gets in and what can feed or nurture us. It's a transmitter of starlight. So he talked about the fixed stars as being like... um, Generators like our own sun, right? Uh, sources of vitality that the planets tap into like a root system. So like we're rooted to those fixed stars and they are feeding those planets. So if you have a planet that's on a fixed star, it's, it's like absorbing the energy of that fixed star. And the moon is, is, is kind of like this like thing that's uh, absorbing, it's, it's, it's the best sponge that we've got, but it's also deciding what gets in and what doesn't. Um, so think about that with the moon and when the moon makes contacts with things. It's kind of an interesting little shift of the uh, perspective I had of the moon being a, uh, a trigger for the music box. It's, it's similar, but it's just a slightly different way of thinking about it that I thought was very interesting. Okay, let's move forward to Wednesday. Wednesday, March 4th. Um, around 6 o'clock a.m., we're going to see Mercury retrograde back into the sign of Aquarius, okay? So here we go, hallelujah. (laughs) And also around, you know, not, not exactly at that time, but around 4 p.m., Mercury is going to emerge from under the beams. So I want you to really pay close attention to any messages or ideas that you have around 4 p.m. on Wednesday, the day of Mercury, March 4th, all right? Uh, so it, this, is, this improves Mercury's condition, I would say, moving back into the third decan of Aquarius. It has some triplicity dignity, some communal support. Uh, it is, <clears throat> instead of going underwater, it's like, it's like the flying fish, right? Like I've, I've used that image for uh, Mercury in Pisces, the flying fish. So imagine you have the ocean here. And we've got Mercury and Pisces down here flying. You know, he's the fish. Bloop, 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 bloop. Right? And eventually, he makes a jump out of the water very briefly. Mercury. Okay. Yay, he's flying. (laughs) Think of this moment above the water as Mercury in Aquarius, because he can see everything. He's trying to escape the predator, right? That's usually what's happening is there's some sort of, you know, shark energy here trying to get Mercury. And Mercury is like, "Woo! I'm jumping out of the water, and I can see where I'm going next, okay? So this is our our moment of escaping the water and and seeing things from a higher perspective so that when we come back down, because we will, We're gonna go back through Pisces again when Mercury moves direct, where we'll be able to to kind of fix some of the things that maybe weren't going so smoothly before. So it'll be a welcomed moment of objectivity. Uh, And this this omen that speaks really, this um, Mercury emerging from under the beams happens at 15 degrees of separation from Mercury to the sun. Remember, in Mercury's Kazemi moment, it was exactly conjunct the sun, and now it is emerging, okay, from its retro by retrograde motion. And what that means is that that the sun, when the sun rises, generally when Mercury is under the beams, it, we could literally not see it in the sky because the sun's beams were were making it invisible. Uh, and this is this has metaphorical uh, and oracular um, meanings as well. And when Mercury emerges from under the beams, we can literally see it rising before the sun. And it emerges as the morning star. So a little bit more of an active Mercury. He's out from under the underworld here. He's bringing us messages. Okay. And so pay close attention to the messages that you receive. Now, one interesting thing, I just side note, this is totally like probably not that important. But as I was reading Retorius, he uses a lot of aspects that are much smaller for being under the beams, like 10 degrees for a lot of planets instead of 15 degrees and i'm curious if any of you out there have had any experience with that and or if that's just uh, something from antiquity that we've learned is not correct but i thought that was interesting there was a smaller orb for being under the beams according to um retorius who was a i believe a seventh century writer um yeah I believe that is the time period he was in, either 7th or ninth century, something like that, around that period of time, one of the early astrological writers. Anyway, okay, so remember, as Mercury is is retrograding back into 3rd Decan of Aquarius, 3rd Decan of Aquarius was that that card that we saw with the man carrying a bunch of swords escaping from the camp. Uh, I think of this moment as maybe there's something we left behind that we need to go back for, and some piece of knowledge, some realization that we're going back, that, some moment of clarity so that we can move forward with our, our dream again. This is where we get that, that, that little moment of clarity and we're like, oh, that's something that I should bring with me. Uh, I'm trying to leave this other thing behind, but maybe I need to make a realization first before I am, you know, moving behind, moving forward with all of this. All right. I don't know, hold on a second. There we go. Okay. So I'm going to clear my drawings here. Check, check. Sorry. I bumped something. Hopefully the the audio is okay here. Hope and pray that Mercury (laughs) will be nice to me. All right. So the moon is also going to be sextiling Uranus at 625 a.m., And you can see that here when it's in Cancer, it's gonna be making this sextile. It's gonna be letting in some Uranian light, uh, supporting the new changes that we wanna make. Uh, That'll be important as we move forward. There we go, sorry. Um, The other non-lunar aspect of the day is Venus is gonna be making a sextile to that retrograde Mercury. So that piggybacks off of what we're saying. There's something that we need to get in touch with. Okay, the sextile. I think, you know, this is a moment of learning something about ourselves. Learning something about what we really want, what we really desire, who we want to be, questions of identity. I think this is going to be important before we move forward into the next phase of our journey. Um, I compared this to um, an ex, if we, if we extrapolate this out to Venus, some ex lover coming back into our life or coming back for something that they left behind at the old apartment. Uh, Maybe you left some very valuable, uh, heirloom that is sacred to you at an ex's apartment and you're going back. And finally you and the ex have moved forward and you're objective enough to go back and, you know, Allow yourself to, to retrieve it without some sort of huge conflict. This being of the nature of, you know, the sextile, it's, it's harmonious. Um, you know, I would say the, the danger of this, this may literally manifest. If you if you do get back in touch with an ex, just be careful that, you know, you're not re engaging with something that you've, you know, found that isn't really serving you anymore. Try not to be impulsive with this Venus and Aries um, because that could get you into some trouble. Uh, But yeah, what did you learn from it? What have you learned about yourself? What kind of cathartic things have you, uh, what deep emotions have you been dealing with and cleansing with this Venus moving through Aries? And how do you move forward to the next phase of your journey? All right, the last aspect of the lunar aspect of that day, of Wednesday, Wednesday is a big day. There's all sorts of stuff happening. The moon's going to be making an opposition to Mars, so there's a severing quality that's happening here where we may be, you know, moving forward with our life and we're coming into conflict with our desire for nurturing, our desire for uh, kind of a maternal womb-like experience, coming in contact with Mars in a very cold, uh, you know, severe sign of Capricorn where, you know, this Mars does not have any patience for your feelings, so there may be a little bit of a quality where we want um, some support, but Mars is not going to not really there for that uh, on this day. The last thing that happens, and this is kind of exciting, is that Venus will be moving into Taurus, okay? And this happens around ten o'clock at night. There we go. This says eleven, but happens a little earlier than that. So here you go. You see Venus now in the first decade of Taurus almost immediately making a, a conjunction with Uranus. It's gonna be, become in colasis or a, a, a adherence with Uranus as we move into Thursday. So we may not we may get the inklings of it, but it's going to start to intensify as the week goes on, the, the, the need to do something in a new way. So let's talk about Venus and Taurus a little bit here. Okay, so Venus and Taurus, first of all, we, we get a ton of dignity. We get a ton of dignity, right? Venus is in its own domicile. Taurus is the sign that is ruled by uh, Venus. So she is the, the general manager of this estate. Okay, she's very comfortable here. She's being provided for by all of her own resources of patience, of fertility. Uh, Austin Cobbett calls this um, the plow, and he talks about fertile fields that are waiting to be planted. So part of the work that is done with Venus in the first decade of Taurus is we need to plan for how we're going to plant our new seeds So there, there will be a new seed that's planted with this Uranian Promethean energy here, but this is all about kind of, um, making a, uh, a decisive plan for like, you can compare this time to like the beginning of spring where you're saying, okay, I've got a garden and I, I've got to go break up the soil. So that the uh, the sun's vitality can shine down on it and and you know heat up all the mic- microorganisms that will create the fertility within the soil, and then I have to choose what what seeds I'm going to plant. I have to literally go into my seed bank and my and go to, or go to the store or whatever and, and buy these packets and decide what what crops I'm going to plant uh, for the year. And maybe I'm starting little seeds indoors and get, and they're very vulnerable, but I have to, um, it's a planning phase. So this is a, a good planning uh, position for Venus for bringing fertility uh, to light. Um, it is the domicile ruler, that it has triplicity rulership. Uh, Venus is the triplicity ruler of the earth signs in the day. So there's communal support. She's on her own terms, so she can do whatever she wants. She doesn't have to answer to anybody. I mean, this is Venus at one of her purest expressions. This is also the moon's degree of exaltation, right around three degrees, right where Uranus is. So this is a, a the moon was a manifester. So this is a really powerful, powerful moment of manifestation that we're talking about. Okay. Um, the card associated with this decan is the five of pentacles. You can see this in the video. And here we see two figures outside of a church or outside of a stained glass window who have some sort of injury or illness or they're kind of destitute. They've fallen on hard times. And from what I've done in my research, uh, it's not necessarily it's not necessarily true that you will fall on hard times if you have planets in this decan. It just means that there is a fear of that. And that is what is propelling you towards the action of of planting the seeds so a lot of the times what really compels us to work the land is hunger and fear of being hungry and fear of going without and i think that energy is very powerful in this decade um, book t calls it uh, material trouble the book of Toth calls it worry so we may be very worried that we are not gonna have enough. And that may have come to light with this Venus Pluto, Venus, Saturn Square. I mean, I really think that a lot of times what Venus and Saturn in Square is gonna say is, hey, you know what? You may not have the resources that you thought you did. And you're gonna have to do something very different to if you want to keep continuing on with whatever lifestyle that you have or if you want to support yourself. Um this has been true in my own life too. Like I've been going through some some changes with my career and doing astrology more than I've been doing some of my musical endeavors and you know it, it requires a whole new mode of doing things and a new way of new ideas to try to support yourself and um, I've talked about this on the podcast too like a I have a you know our, our house basically was sold uh, a year ago and new owners and with new owners and a more expensive mortgage, the rent goes up. So you, I, I we have to find new ways to to um, to pay the rent, basically. And you can feel the pinch of that sometimes. And and but the the key is not getting stuck in the old way of doing something. Your life is going to be constantly shifting. And it, instead of getting too bent out of shape about uh, yearning for quote unquote a simpler time, which you know may not have been simpler like there are simpler um, there are calmer parts of the river in your in the story of your life or in the journey of your life uh, but you're it's unavoidable to come to some of the rapids and you've got to learn how to steer through those rapids uh with with grace and and to figure out what is required of you and I think that that's the key to being a human being is and this is the key to having. spiritual life but that is rooted in practical acceptance too is there will be times where uh, and my teacher likes to describe this with the battle of arjuna in his bhakti yoga practice and i agree with him on this there'll be times where there's things that you don't want to do uh, but if you don't do it, it you're 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 in trouble that's your dharma that's your that's whatever you're tasked with doing and that's just part of your story and I think that the suffering comes is when we do not accept those divine assignments to deal with the difficult parts of our life. And we, we tend to resist as human beings. We don't like change. We want to do things. We want security. And we want to do things the way we've always done them Uh, because it's easier. You know, it's the path of least resistance as human beings. We're, we're uh, especially in convenience culture that we have in this modern society. We, we, um, we get attached to those things. And, when we lose things that we, were, we thought we were entitled to, um, that can be painful. But it's just part of the flow of life. It's just part of the flow of nature. And if we just see beauty in those, in those cycles and accept that we're not always going to be on top of the wheel of fortune, that's when we reduce our suffering rather than our... We're not always going to be able to reduce the pain, but we reduce the suffering by not resisting the the flow of our life. Okay? So Venus... Uh, I mentioned earlier, Venus allows herself to be adorned. Uh, The story of Venus is she emerged from the ocean as this beautiful phosphorescent jellyfish. She was glowing this beautiful blue light and she was glowing so brightly that all these little cherubs like adorned her with clothing and jewelry and gifts. And she didn't have to do anything else but just be her beautiful self and radiate her essence. And I think that Venus uh, is just allowing uh, good things to come to her Um, Doesn't mean we shouldn't um, plant the seeds. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't um, prepare the land. But once we do that, once we plow, once we plant the seeds, you can only water so much in one day. You can only fertilize so much. If you try to overdo it, try to do too many things at time, this is where the quality of patience comes in. And as a gardener myself, uh, you can't you overwater something that creates corruption that creates rot, so it's it's both the actions that we can take and then the patience to allow the process to unfold. I think that's where we're going to see the the greatest gifts of Venus in Taurus, particularly the first decan. So nurture your seeds appropriately. All right, prepare the land, figure out what's going to be planted, and then. Uh, be willing to allow them the magic of its unfolding with patience. All right, let's move forward. I like, if we think of Venus as a catharsis too, this, I think this would be a great time just to go get your hands dirty. How cathartic is it to like dig in the dirt? And like, I mean, they've shown uh, that there's research that shows like there's little microbes that help fight depression in, in the soil. So my recommendation, if you're feeling down, is like, just go get your hands dirty. Go take a walk out in nature. You start to build something, and that can really give you a nice sense of release and release some of the really like the challenging feelings that we may have that may be coming from a fear of lack. All right. So let's move forward to Thursday. We have less things as we go along, so we're heading towards the... Rounding towards the end here. Thank you for sticking it out with me. I've gotten a lot of feedback that people like my deep dives into <laughs> astrology here. It's a good thing because I don't think I can not be long winded. So, uh, thanks you for your appreciation with that. And, you know, and if it's not your thing, there's plenty of other astrologers out there that'll give you the 10 minute version. And that's okay. I won't be offended if that's where you get your information. Okay, Thursday, the first quarter moon is going to be um, waxing into the gibbous phase. And the what this means is that we've moved past uh, the 45-degree square, and we're heading 45 degrees beyond that to about 135 degrees. This is in the eightfold system, and it's probably not exact. I mean, I think that this is the kind of thing where you know, you have a quality where the lines are a little bit blurred here. I think the big thing with this is that we have a sextile between the moon and the sun. So whenever we have this gibbous phase, we we've gone through some of the conflicts of the first quarter, and now we we've, we've been shown the um what isn't what doesn't work about our plan, and we get to we have a, a phase of refining, uh, and this is where we maybe have some support because there is the nature of Venus uh, inherent in the sextile based on the, the position of Venus to the lights in the thema mundi. So this may be a time where we're getting support for our dreams. We've figured out, we've, we've made a choice at the first quarter moon, and now we're mobilizing these resources for the, for the unflowering of our vision or the unfolding of the vision. Uh, the other aspects that we'll be seeing in the, during Thursday is we've got that, of course, we've got that, uh, actually, man, Venus, Uh, no, Mercury, damn you, Mercury, Mercury tried to get me again, so let me just, Uh, uh, let me just rewind, move forward again, okay, (laughs) so retrograde, Um, stupid brain, this is actually a trine, (laughs) so it's not a sextile, this is a trine between uh, the moon and the sun, which is of the nature of Jupiter, right? So instead of just having this Venusian support, we have this this Jupiterian communal support, um, which I think is still a, a, a positive, beneficial aspect. So a lot of the same things apply, but this may be a time where we're f- we're having some expansion. We're f- figuring out what the moral implications of our dream are with you know being ruled by Jupiter and things like that. That happens at two forty nine a.m. Uh, and. Yes, this is a point of of ease, though. This is where we're, um, we're we've moved beyond some of the challenges of the first quarter square. Okay, Make sense. Good. Sorry about that. Mercury always tries to get me in these retro, when it, in these retrograde phases. Uh, I had a, you know, I've had many of those moments where um, my, the wires get crossed in my brain as I'm kind of doing this stream of consciousness with some notes, but you know, mostly it's off the the cuff here. Um, And you gotta be careful because Mercury wants to get you. It's blending all the details together, okay? So the next aspect that we have is a trine between the Moon and Neptune at 8.14 p.m. So this is another thing where the, the dream and the manifestation of the dream, the membrane is Uh, of the moon is allowing some neptunian light to come to come through right where we it could be both a a moment of transcendence of a moment of divine merging a moment of feeling connection with our sense of purpose and spirit or it could be a time where we're just having a nice respite a nice break from everything and you know a little bit of a positive escapist excuse me tendency as well um as we move through the morning, the moon will make an opposition to Jupiter at 20 degrees of Cancer and Capricorn, and then it will oppose Pluto in the evening at 6.50. Uh, the other thing that we're gonna be seeing is just the, the beginning of a calaisis. Kalesis is a term that means like a bonding or a merging together of energies. And we're gonna be seeing this bonding of Venus and Uranus, so we're gonna be, or U- Uranus, I like saying it like that. Um, where we're going to be really starting to feel uh, a desire, Venus, to do something new, uh, like to plant that new seed. We're going to be picking up momentum towards the the shattering of the old way of doing something that is going to help us to manifest abundance in a very earthier and practical way. So that's something that we'll be seeing probably around 6 p.m. as we see the opposition between the moon and Pluto start to manifest this could be another moment of of challenge because oppositions were of the nature of Saturn where we're trying to bring the vision into manifestation, but we may run into a roadblock. We may run into our own fears. I mean, this is another thing with Saturn is running into our own doubts, fears. Remember it was like the, the, the liar. (laughs) So we may have a, a, you know, a voice in our head that is trying to steer us off course or Uh, It also could be just coming to terms with the limitations and paring it down a little bit further uh, so that our dream is is really able to manifest physically. All right, let's move up forward to Friday. Remember, we're building towards our full moon. So this is just the energy is really building over the course of this week. This is a great time for bringing things into being with a, a waxing moon, Okay. Whereas its opposite, the waning moon, is for distributing things or for releasing things. Okay, let's see. Friday, the 6th, moon's going to move into Leo at 427 a.m. We're in our gibbous phase, waxing to full, where we're refining uh, the expression of, what we, of the seed that we planted at the Pisces new moon at 4 degrees Pisces, which I've learned is, was conjunct the fixed star- uh, Foma Halt, I believe I'm saying that correctly, but it could be not, um, which was, according to Austin Kapik's lecture, the, the wizard poet fixed star, which I thought was kind of neat. You know, very, very, um, very magical, very poetic, very concerned with beautifying everything. It was one of the royal, uh, the, one of the four royal stars, uh, and it was kind of bringing um, recognition through through beauty and being sort of like a, a magician of your life so that's what we're trying to do with this new moon conjunct Fomalhaut is 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 channel that star's energy through the sun and the moon through through our vitality and through our ability to bring that energy into manifestation you know fomahalt is feeding feeding this new moon cycle very powerfully so uh anytime we're trying to be more poetic or or bring a little magic into our life that's that could be part of the themes that we're going through here um so we are going to see a opposition very early in the day to saturn at 2:11 a.m. before it moves into leo then the moon moves into leo uh in the morning once the moon is in leo it's going to square uranus okay and venus so first it squares Venus and then it squares Uranus. So a challenge, another challenge to this new uh, gardening plan that you may have. You may, you know, I could see this as, you know, running into you're plowing the fields and you hit a big rock or you hit some roots that really just require some extra effort to to get out. And you know, there's always those moments when you're trying to garden where you have to just put in some hard work to get rid of the junk in there so that the, the the field is really like able to support the growth that you want it to support and sometimes we have to get rid of the obstacles we have to get rid of the junk in there um, you know and it's it's laborious so that might be uh, something that we're experiencing on friday with the square to to venus and uranus um with that waxing gibbous phase and it could be due to like some identity issues too, some pride issues with the moon Leo. in Leo and the first decan of Leo. This could also be uh, a challenge trying to get some attention. Uh, the first decan was associated with the five of wands. And in that, in that particular decan, there's some competition. We see four or, five, four or five figures like battling for position, battling for the spotlight, so to speak. So this may be a, a moment where you are really trying to mobilize your audience uh, where you have a sense of competition. And that may be something that you have to work through with that that moon uh, square to Venus and Uranus. On Saturday the 3rd, on Saturday the 3rd, there are no exact aspects, which I think is kind of interesting. I mean, the biggest thing that we're going to be really experiencing that that day is just a continuance of what we were experiencing on Friday and just a build towards an intensification of this energy of Venus and Uranus and the sun and Neptune. Those are the two really big things that we're building towards this week is those two conjunctions, which, which happen simultaneously on the same day on Sunday. So let's move forward to that day. All right. So on Sunday, first aspect of the day is the moon making an opposition with Mercury retrograde very early in the day. So maybe that happens when we're sleeping or we feel this building throughout Saturday is this opposition to a retrograde Mercury. Uh, And the third decan of of Leo is about defending your turf. Um, That was the Mars rule decan with the figure like on the top of the hill, defending their right to be who they are and their authority. So there may be some conflict between you and potentially uh, some sort of group consciousness that happens with Mercury retrograding through Aquarius. Um, so what are, that, there may be a question on Saturday of what you are going to um, take with you and what you're going to leave behind, what is worth defending and what you need to let go of. That could be part of that opposition with the Moon um, and Mercury retrograde. So just be careful in your communications that you don't get you know up on your high horse, so to speak. That all is going to uh, shift as the moon moves into Virgo right here. Mer- moon moves into Virgo at about 6.47 a.m. So Sunday is probably going to be more of a Virgo moon type of day where uh, all the kind of blustery pride issues of Saturday uh, are going to be about getting down to business now with the moon moving into, into Virgo and paying attention to the details. Um, early in the day, at 8.23 a.m., one of our big aspects of the, of the week this is the sun-Neptune conjunction, okay? And this is emerging, emerging of their energies. Now, I'm a little bit... Um, I have, I'm curious if this is similar to the Kazemi of the traditional planets now I say I'm curious because I mean it's the same aspect it's the same you know Neptune being in the heart of the sun but I'm not exactly sure if this works the same way for outer planets um and I don't know Neptune Neptune's not even visible so I mean that it's very hard to see it I guess it pops up every once in a while if I'm not mistaken But they didn't discover these planets till very much later because they're almost invisible to the naked eye. So I'm curious if, if uh, that same concept exists. Uh, The other thing is that uh, generally, hmm, a lot of Hellenistic or traditional astrologers like to think of these outer planets sort of like fixed stars where they're feeding the energy of the planets. Uh, like Austin was saying, like they were a root system, or they were like a parent plant, and the planets were like root systems. So I, I kind of almost think, and this is just conjecture on my part, but I almost think that Neptune is feeding the vitality of the sun rather than vice versa in this case. Uh, and I could be wrong on this, but this is, this is a guess that I have where our, our sense of purpose is being fed by the Neptunian... Um, root like parent plant with giving us a vision giving us a, a transcendent merging with the divine some of the notes i wrote down on this is happening in the second decan of pisces so this is everything that we've talked about with the nine of cups uh it's true here where we're um, being a bridge between spirituality and physical reality that it was a jupiter ruled decan so jupiter is, is a bridge type of experience imagine this was like neo in the matrix Uh, where he is awoken from his reality, uh, from his, well, from his falsehood. And now he's getting trained in Kung Fu and he's, you know, returning with some sort of elixir of life. If we are extrapolating that out into the hero's journey, he leaves the ordinary world. He, He goes to the special world, learns some new skills, goes into the belly of the whale, and then returns to the ordinary world with some sort of gift, right? And this may be a moment where we're, where we're motivated to return with some sort of awareness that we've experienced over this last cycle. Okay. So some of the notes I wrote down, some of the positives, illuminating the sun, the vision, Neptune, right? Uh, the torch within the labyrinth of the mind. Remember the first decade of Pisces was, was called the labyrinth. Uh, you can think of this. I, I, one image that came to my mind was Jonah in the belly of the whale, but he's got a torch in there and he can see, you know, what's going on? Um, but it, more so, not like he's trapped. I would say that this is almost an escape from the belly of the whale using the torch. Uh, enhanced imagination and inspiration, a sense of a higher purpose, divine guidance. Uh, in the negative, this could be a moment of self-deception or escapism, a dissolving of the self or the ego, uh, an urge to merge with the divine. That doesn't necessarily have to be bad. A dissolving of the ego can be good. Um, as, as I've talked about earlier in this vi- this video slash podcast um I think that the mistake uh the the danger is mistaking uh addiction for spirituality and i and I talked about this earlier with the substance abuse challenges is we can we can mistake that kind of uh, escapism that we may experience through uh drugs or alcohol or, or whatever it is that whatever vice that you have or whatever toxin of choice you have for merging with the divine and i, I really think that the, the the challenge is is that when you come when you wake up reality c- could be harsher uh, i mean i know that there some will argue with me that you know f- people who have done like psychedelics and stuff are like, well, I finally awoke into the true nature of reality and things like that. I I don't know if that's, I don't necessarily disagree with that since I haven't really gone down that path myself. I'm not someone who has done psychedelics in my life. Um, I just know that I think for me, I'm so sensitive that I may like go down the rabbit hole and it'd be hard for me to come back. So I can't speak to that with an authority. Um, So I'll just, you know, Plead, plead my ignorance and plead the fifth on that one. But, but I think that there are definitely times in life where we are trying to escape from things and it becomes uh, something that is unhealthy. So just be careful of that. Uh, be careful of hubris too. I think that this is ruled by Jupiter in Virgo. I'm sorry, in Capricorn. That This whole conjunction is kind of searching for resources in this fallen Jupiter and Capricorn, Right and this could be where we're just really hungry for power and we think that we're it's divinely inspired but at the root of all of it is just this fear that we don't have authority in our life right and we're just making a blind power grab like like darth vader everybody thinks that they're the hero of their own story and even the most the people who have manifested the most evil on the planet believe that they are you know manifesting some higher purpose i've been listening to some lectures on zodiacal releasing about uh and i guess uh adolf hitler was used as a as an example and even even that guy i mean you know what i found interesting about his story is that he was a failed artist you know he was searching for catharsis through his art and he failed he he was not allowed to do that as his, his dad disapproved of it, and he i guess I don't know if he flunked out of like art school or something and he ended up joining the military and and through his fear of lack, he started blaming uh, you know a certain one certain group of people and and got really um blinded by his ambition and cre- and re- wrecked uh really enormous havoc on the earth like one you know we can I think we can all agree that he was one of you know the most destructive people to ever live, and uh, it came from this place of fear. It came from this place of um, having some idealized vision that where he, he really did think he was the the hero of his own story. And he was so charismatic. He was he had Saturn in Leo, histrionics. Remember, this is the actor. He had a he had a, an exiled um, Saturn. And he was able to to use his fear to to really be very charismatic and to create a following, and to tap into other people's fear. Sound familiar? This is something we are experiencing now with some of our leadership around the world right now. As people are tapping into our greatest fears, and and it's very charismatic. It's very seductive, and we just have to be careful of that. You know, we have to be careful that we're uh, not thinking that we're the trying to be the hero, but actually. You know, doing something that could be very destructive. And I think that's the danger with Jupiter and Capricorn, right here. Okay, feeding this this vision, especially with its conjunction with Pluto. Okay, so that's our that's our uh, conjunction of the sun with Neptune. Um, on the plus side, we could really be drawing some vitality from our spiritual depths. Uh, we are tasked with reconciling the vision with. The manifestation of that vision and getting clarity of purpose. All right. Uh, the other thing that's happening almost simultaneously on the same day, only a few short hours later, is a conjunction between Venus and Uranus. Okay, that happens around three, three thirty, or so in the afternoon, four o'clock. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, and man, that's these are really two. It's not very often that you see two um, inner planets conjoining with two outer planets simultaneously on the same day. I mean, to me, that is very that is a very powerful uh, omen that is speaking, and it is is being sextiled by all the Capricorn stuff to the Piscean stuff. And it's, being, and it's trining everything by whole sign to the Capricorn stuff as well. So there's some positive. There's really not a ton of negative uh, testimonies that are happening. And we have this Virgo moon, which is also trining everything. So to me, this is a, a, an extraordinarily powerful moment or day of, of manifestation and of seed planting. You know, this is something where kind of is, a lot of it's all systems go. You know, the only thing that's really stopping us right now is this retrograde Mercury. And it may just be a little confusing and some of the communications may, you know, not go as quickly as we want. But this is a very powerful seed moment. I want you to mark this on a calendar, March 8th, 2020. And I want you to look back on this day and see what was started on this day because we're going to be dealing with the fallout or the or the gifts or the, you know, the I could say the repercussions or the, the uh, manifestations of this for a long period of time. Okay, so really, really pay attention. This this Venus Uranus conjunction, uh, my notes say an awakening. Uh, This is where I was talking about returning with the elixir from the hero's journey again. uh, Relationship breakthroughs via using resources in in a in a new way. Rebirth of love and friendship. Lucrative new material idea. Uh, Ren Butler talks about bright colors and and peacock feathers with Venus and Uranus. This could be where you do something in a very bold way to create some new start neon rainbows vibrancy sensuality uh, the vision meets the manifestation energy the beautiful new divinely inspired seed is planted so yes we've been building to i think to this is one of the moments we've been building to we're always building towards something and releasing something but I, but i think this is one day that we're going to look back on and say wow march 8th 2020 manifest. Okay. All right. I think that's what I've got for this week. Um, let me know in the comments what, what kind of things you are thinking of manifesting and how this energy plays out for you. I'd be really curious to hear your stories and how they're playing out. And if you have any uh, Venus-Pluto, Venus-Saturn stories too, those are cool too. And maybe we can work, work through it. Uh, looking ahead to next week, um, the 9th through the 15th, We have uh, the 9th through the 15th. We're going to have a full moon on Monday the 9th uh, at 19 degrees of Virgo, uh, which is going to be opposite Neptune and trining Jupiter. Uh, So very powerful moment for bringing the dream into practical reality uh, and paying attention to the details of the vision. On figuring out what what needs to stay and what needs to go. Those are come some of the things we're going to experience. On the same day, Mercury is going to be stationing direct at 28 degrees of Aquarius. So during this really powerful Sunday manifestation day, Mercury is going to be slowing way down, coming to a halt, and then going direct the next day. So another very powerful moment in the Mercurial cycle. On Wednesday the 11th, Sun's going to be sextiling Jupiter. So some some wind in our sails next Wednesday. And then on Sunday, the 14th, Mars is going to sextile Neptune, and the sun is sextiling Pluto. So really, some positive aspects after the heavy lifting that we do this week, right? So we may be really starting to get, get uh, some, some new, new uh, positive momentum that's happening as we move towards our uh, spring equinox in the beginning of spring, where it's really going hit, to hit overdrive, I think. Okay, that's what I've got for this week. Uh, Thanks for hanging out with me today. Uh, If you enjoy these videos and this podcast, make sure you hit your like and subscribe button on whatever platform you are. We're on YouTube, we're on uh, Instagram, we're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts now. Leaving a a review, hitting those five stars is always helpful as well. Um, Sharing with your friends. If you want to leave a tip, I do have a Venmo link and a PayPal Me link. Again, the best thing that you can do if you want to support the work that I do is to schedule a reading with me. It's always fun to, to get to meet with, with all of you and to see how uh, your lives are going and how the, the podcast is, has what you've been learning from it and things like that. It's always fun for me. So really appreciate getting to know all of the listeners and whatnot. So uh, reach out, Spencer Michaud, astrology at gmail.com. If you want to set something up, we do things through, through Zoom, um, video conferencing. It's a lot of fun. All right, everyone. That's what I've got for this week. Have a good week and we'll see you the next time. Take care. Peace.